Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. Uh, this is not Lee Lonsberry. It's Amy Donaldson, and I'm alongside Scott Howell um, talking about the uh, – we're talking politics, of course, uh, because that's what Scott's good at, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I hope. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> that's what so, – so it's sort of what we're doing right now. Like the, both conventions are this week and next week. The DNC is this week. A Democratic National Convention is this week. Republicans are next week. Um, and so every day there's going to be – some breaking news or some some new news uh, coming out of those conventions. But I did want to take a second, if you don't mind, and talk about an op-ed that Chris Stewart, um, our congressman here, from here in Utah, wrote um, for the Deseret News. And he talked with Boyd Matheson about it yesterday, and I listened to that. And, um, you know, it brought up some compelling points that I've heard a lot. I've been covering these protests for going on two months now, and um, I hear people supporting them and I hear people criticizing them and and it's sort of been an interesting place to be where you're just observing and sort of talking to people about why they're out here talking to people about why they're counter protesting um and I've covered all kinds of protests so these are pro law enforcement to uh defund the police to you know against police brutality so all these there's a a lot of different kinds of protests going on right now and um you know by and large the majority of them are Black Lives Matter and and uh, and protesting police brutality and so those but that's what I've been doing and so I listened to this yesterday and I emailed Boyd and and hopped on our website and read this uh, op ed and I I would obviously encourage you to do that and I'll try to tweet it out um, on the next break but he said something in there that um, it sort of stuck with me and I wanted to read it to you um, why then. Are so many of our fellow Americans taking to the streets and the internet to express their hatred for our country and our culture? And his his op-ed was basically saying, America. It was uh, sort of um, saying America is exceptional. It's it's built on these amazing principles, the best in the world. There isn't any um, more aspirational foundation. Um, and I would one hundred percent agree with that. What I disagree with is that by protesting or criticizing our government or criticizing our country, uh, even, you know, a lot of things that have been criticized are police, banking system, education system, uh, the way we've told history, um, you know, local government decisions. All of those things have been criticized in the last couple of months. And I think that makes you patriotic. And I don't think, I think one of the things that we have to remember is that if we, I've always looked at, and maybe it's because I'm a journalist, that freedom of speech is you know, one of those um, cornerstones of our of our foundation that we're that this bedrock that he talks about that's that's exceptional, 
And and so I, I listened to this podcast about American exceptionalism and what's the difference if you are born uh, great and you think you don't have to do anything to achieve greatness, you're born that way. So our founding fathers created this country. Uh, it was divinely inspired. And that makes us exceptional from birth. And and when you were sort of indoctrinated with that idea, then maybe you feel like you don't have a responsibility to make your country live up to those ideals. And um, one of the things I, I really loved about this uh, professor that I was listening to was that the idea was that, yeah, the ideas are exceptional. And they are probably, you know, you can you, you parse words, but I believe they are divinely inspired. And what I think the dip where I part ways with Senator uh, with a uh, Senator, I just gave him a different job. <laughs> Congressman Stewart is, um, is that by asking for us to be better in a, in form of protest um, that I am saying, I hate this country. I'm saying I love this country so much. I want us to live up to these ideals. I don't know. You have some, you thoughts? know, Amy, I think that professor is right. I, I agree with him all on it. The Constitution is a great document on self-governance. The Declaration of Independence is a statement on human rights. And, of course, we can't forget the Bill of Rights is probably one of the strongest guarantors of liberty in the history of all mankind. Uh, when I read the congressman's remarks, and, and I know Chris, and and um, he is uh, uh, far right of center and a good guy and a dedicated um, citizen to our country by his service in the Air Force. But I did take a little offense when he said a growing number of people believe that Americans' foundations are rotten to the core. And I, I, I don't think that there's a growing number of people. I think there's some individuals who have felt marginalized in our country. Mm -hmm. And I think that they finally have said, and George Floyd probably ignited that. And what I've learned about racism and, and, uh, the aspects of that and some of the other things, the inequities, Uh, but there, there, there's not a growing number. There are people out there, but when you look at the number of riots compared with the population of our country and the number of individuals who really are on the sideline uh, because they trust in our country. And I know Lex Scott of Black Lives Matters, and I've had heart-to-hearts with her on many occasions. They're not uh, about destruction or wanton uh, illegal activity. They just are trying to get people to understand what the suppression they felt for so many years. So, you know, you can't judge a whole bushel of apples by one or two of them that are that are rotten in there because our, our country deserves. And the first thing when I read Chris's uh, comments, I, I thought about the white supremacist groups and for in Virginia and what happened back there and just the the groups that are out there um and, and again you said it uh the the two things of our constitution that are so clear one's freedom of speech and the other one is freedom of the press and i think the balance of those two uh, there, there's always going to be extremes. There's extremes in our faith. There's extremes in the school system. Mm-hmm. You know, I have really good friends who have been lifelong friends, and they're out there on that far left or the far right, and 
they are entitled to their opinion. And how we listen and what we do, I think, is the key to keeping our Constitution and our the Declaration of Independence of the Bill of Rights strong and in place. But, you know, I, I've always said that the Constitution is a living document. Mm-hmm. And there are things and times when we should change and, and probably to keep us a strong country. Yeah. Amy, what, on, well, also, on I would like to say that our institutions by in and of themselves are not great. They're not, they don't have integrity. What has integrity are the people who, who are living and breathing in the, in those roles. So our congressmen, our senators, our president, our governor, our legislators, that's who has to have integrity for our institutions to have integrity. The institutions are just in, they're just ideas. And well, we have, and I will say this: that when you think you're exceptional and that you think you were perfect, <laughs> right, right from right. get go, like divinely <laughs> right. inspired, right. I understand why it feels like there's no way you can criticize, right? So if someone points out things that are not working for certain groups of people, yeah. then they feel attacked, and like they're attacking this perfect and you know divinely inspired idea. They're not. What they're saying is these are not perfect and infallible and unimpeachable. They are not working for certain people. They're amazing and 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 ideals we all embrace. Now let's live up to them. Amy, I, I just love what you just said. And uh, that's why every year at the legislature they have an, in excess of 500, 700 bills is because they're trying to go fix the system that was broken before and improve it and make it better for everybody. Amy, we're, we're really at the uh, close to the end, but in the next uh, 15 seconds, tell me what your opinion has been when you've covered those uh, protests and, and what you've thought. That people are, some people are in deep pain and they need change. People are not being heard. They've been ignored. They haven't had the same opportunities. They're living a different experience than I am in this country. And so I'm just trying to listen. I'm trying to find out why people are out there. And I have to say, there's a lot of people of color who've said that it's incredibly moving to them that white people are finally listening, that they're trying to educate themselves, and that they are interested now in making the systems of this gov- great government work for everybody. Thank you, Amy. When we come back, don't go away. It's your turn. Tell us what you think. 801-575-TALK. 801-575-8255. Amy and I look forward to your calls. I'm Scott Howell with Amy Donaldson on Live Mike. Welcome back to Live Mike with not Lee Lonsberry. (laughs) Amy Donaldson and Scott Howell here as Lee has the day off. Um, We uh, wanted to jump. I want to jump out and just start with some of the stuff we're getting on the text line. Uh, the first one was uh, criticizing us for bashing Trump uh, on KSL, what's new. Uh, the second one is that if anybody's been in, they this person believes that if anybody's been in office for two terms, they're done. And uh, they should not be able to run for another office. <laughs> they, they should mm. uh, should retire. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, term limits is always interesting. I always remind people, we yeah. do have term limits. That's right. It's called voting. <laughs> So, um, and then, uh, another gentleman or woman, I'm assuming it's a gentleman based on his, uh, based on the email, but talked about, um, agreeing with, uh, general Colin Powell's, uh, statement that, you know, our country's divided and that we need to be pulled together. We need leadership. And I, I don't think anyone's going to disagree that I just do feel like there is a, a, in, in, at every level, I'm searching constantly for a leader who will give me hope. Show me how to be a better, right, and be more loving and helpful. And and then the last uh, tw- uh, text we got was, 
uh, expressing support for organizations who support riots is not okay. And I would say to you that that is not the case. <clears throat> so there are a number of organizations that don't support the riots. And the riots, when you say riots, I, I think it's funny. People in this country do have no clue what a riot is, first of all. Right. Second of all, um, the, the destruction of property, things like that. There are people who are not supportive of that. Black Lives Matter among them who are saying... We're not going to tell people how to protest, but we are going to tell you that we beg people to be peaceful because the message gets lost in the in in that two or three or four, you know, people who go off and break things or, or ruin things. And and then there are other people who say, like Martin Luther King Jr. did, riot is the language of the unheard. So I'm just saying keep it in context and try to listen to the message. There are definitely things that people say angry, they're swearing. I have a, I shut down. I don't want to discuss that, and um, I have to try to hear them through what I find to be offensive things, right? Offensive sure. terms or offensive what the way you know that they're yelling or whatever it is. And I would say, if if you can, obviously don't be don't do the things that it would offend someone else. But if you can't, if you're so upset and you're so much pain. I think everybody's speaking from a place of pain, and some people are able to be careful with that. But understand, people of color have been modulating their language and modulating their behavior and changing what they do so that white people will not and, – and this establishment will not get upset with them for generations. And that you know, is part of what you're seeing and hearing. Yes. And, and Amy, I've been uh, with some of our public safety officers in some of these tight situations and I'll tell you, there are protesters who are so uh, ignorant and so uh, despicable and mean when they spit in their face and they have unshields and they call them the most horrible names. And I got to applaud our public safety officers for standing vigilant. Now, just like everything else in life, you've got good uh, public safety officers and you have some that are challenged and, and same with the protesters. But we shouldn't let that little minority that, that caused the, uh, so much destruction uh, stand in the way of, of civil disobedience. When it, it, and I love the Martin Luther King quote. I think it's spot on. And I, there are two sides to this story uh, when you see it. But I, I think protesters who do it right will get the see, action. and I hate that term. I hate that term. I'm just going to tell you straight up, Scott. I hate the term, do it right. Because that indicates that there's one way to be heard, one way to be acceptable. And I think protest by definition is unacceptable. Protest by definition is causing disruption. It's getting attention. It's saying, hey, what you're doing, it's not working and you won't listen. We've tried all the normal and right ways to do this. And now we're doing this. We're going to stand in traffic. We're going to, you know, scream and yell obscene and, and, you know, whatever offensive things. Because you're not paying attention. We, they needed, they, a cop knelt on a man's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. That got everyone's attention. And now we're seeing some change come from that. But people took to the streets because we can't stand for that. I don't care what color he is. The fact that he's black adds to it. But I think we can't have our law enforcement... And, and and we've had law enforcement on our show, our, our podcast, and on this, on KSL. And here's the thing that always I don't really understand. If I was, I will, I feel this way about my, I'm very critical of the media for our lack of diversity. And we need more accountability. The accountability we have, though, is that people don't buy our product. 
But when it comes to policing, where's the accountability? How can we understand and know how things work? Because it just just the nature of the criminal justice system, it's very difficult to understand. It's very difficult to follow. It's not super uh transparent the good news is amy that you and i can agree to disagree because i think civil <laughs> yeah. uh, disobedience is a is a good thing but i think there's a, a magic line in there when it becomes wanton destruction that 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 doesn't benefit anyone that goes back to someone being angry and and like when you said earlier about mm-hmm. when they swear at you um you, you have to listen but there are ways to do this and i agree 110 percent Mm-hmm. For far too long, we've ignored some of the things that have gone on in our country. So let but me I, ask you, Scott, how do you, when the national anthem plays, what do you do? Uh, I, well, I, I usually don't sing because everybody gets offended by my voice. That's the first thing. And so I mouth mm-hmm. words. Yeah. Second thing is, you know, I'm pretty traditional. I put my hand over my heart and mm-hmm. I'm not qu- quite sure why we do because that's not part of it. Maybe it's just showing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's that's what I do. So. so I hear, as a 20 years in sports, I heard a lot of national anthems. And I'm uh-huh. going to say, yeah, right. as the daughter of a, of a Marine and a Vietnam veteran and a police officer, I always stopped what I was doing and stood up. Okay? Sure. And, and I noticed lots of my colleagues kept on working, did whatever they were doing. I noticed lots of people going and getting treats or bringing back beer or doing whatever they were sure. doing, right, at the game. I never... Sure. I sometimes felt like it was slightly disrespectful, but not to the level of like, I never said anything to anybody. I never felt like that was my place. I did my thing. They did their thing. But I was at the Olympics in 2016 and somebody, I had my hand on my heart and somebody said to me, and there was this controversy about one of the gymnasts not putting her hand on her heart. And they asked me the meaning of that. And I couldn't tell them. And I will tell you this, do a little research on where the Pledge of Allegiance comes from, what it, what it was, Right. And mm-hmm. and do a little research on when um, you know under one nation indivisible under God was added and why, and and you'll have a different feeling about this. I'm not saying I'm not in favor of doing it. I'm saying there are lots of ways to look at these rituals. And if somebody doesn't choose to participate, it doesn't mean they don't love this country. It well, means they have sports, a reason. Being in sports, as long as you have, uh, I understand uh, when the, in the Olympics when the. Uh, who was that runner that set the the record? Jesse Owens. I don't know who was it. I can't remember. And he held up his hand with a black leather glove. And watching the basketball players today uh, sit, uh, kneel down and take a knee. And I played football for a long time, and we would take a knee in honor of things. So, I think what you're saying is is that there are ways to show respect and that we shouldn't be out there judging. I mean, it's that, I, I hate it when somebody says, oh, you, you should have stopped instead of carrying your popcorn up the aisle and turn around and, and you know, I, I just think that that's us judging uh, an, another circumstance and not knowing what it but is. But at the so. end of the day, if we believe in freedom, then we just, I say this to religious people all the time, if you believe in free agency and free choice, then why do you care what other people do, right? Unless yeah, it comes yeah. to you, unless it infringes yeah. on your beliefs, right? That yeah. That's the problem. And I don't understand why, and, and by the way, I do want to say it's Tommy Smith and Juan Carlos who, oh, that too, it was. who did yeah, the Black yeah, Power. Yeah. Yeah, and they right. paid a dear price, as did their, the Australian who didn't do anything but who knew about the protest. 
he was shunned. I mean, there. So the thing is, look, everybody loves Muhammad Ali now. They didn't love him yeah. in the when 60s. He, yeah, no. exactly. And when the he same le- thing. Don't pretend. My mom yeah. and I have talked about this at, uh, at length of what her view of Martin Luther King Jr. was when she was a young, you know, uh, wife of a Marine. You know, it's it's very different than today. Well, uh, Amy, I think it's time to hear from our audience and see what they have to say. Call us and let us know what your opinion is, 575-7668, 575-TALK. And the greatest thing, Amy, how many years have you been covering sports? I did 20 years. I Eight years in on the city desk, then 20 in sports, and now I'm back in the news. Stick around, everyone. We'll learn a little bit more about Amy's great sports writing. I've read her for a long time in the columns. We're going to come back. We want to hear from you. Uh, special session is, is coming up. Uh, I know about special sessions. A lot of different bills up there. Join us, and we look forward to hearing back from you. Scott Howell with the wonderful Amy Donaldson. We'll see you in a few minutes. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.